So Money episode 614, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. This episode originally aired on March 11th, 2016. Hey everyone, welcome back to So Money. Happy Friday. It is March 11th and as this is playing and you're hearing it, I'm in Austin, left Brooklyn on Friday to head down to Austin for the 30th. Did you know there were 30 of these South by Southwest conference in Austin? I thought it was just something that happened like sort of five years ago because that's kind of when I caught wind of it, but it's been around for 30 years, obviously has grown over the years. And uh, I'm very honored to be there. Um, I'm not, I don't know what I'm in for, but I've been asked to come and moderate a panel for CNBC. And the panel is all about entrepreneurship and why suddenly everybody's interested in entrepreneurship and becoming a leader and starting your own business and being your own boss. I mean, entrepreneurship has been around forever, right? But I don't don't know. Something is in the air, right? Ever since the recession, I guess, uh, people realized that uh, the only way to master their own destiny was to try to take a little bit more control, regain control of their income. And maybe that means starting a business or having a side gig. So I'm excited to explore this with the panel. And you'll love this. One of the panelists is Mr. Wonderful himself, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. I am going to be such a fangirl uh, at this at this conference and a few others from CNBC's shows and of course me I'm very excited to announce that uh, in just a little over a week and a half a week we've got our new show airing it's called Follow the Leader on CNBC another entrepreneur focused show no coincidence there that takes a, d- a deep dive a behind the scenes into the lives and the work lives of leading entrepreneurs, everyone from John Paul DeJoria, who owns Paul Mitchell and Patron, to Lior Cohen, who started Def Jam, all the way to Tracy Anderson, who's a celebrity fitness trainer who trains Madonna. And so I had the crazy opportunity to follow these people and you know, just be like a lost puppy with lots of good questions along the way. So stay tuned for all of that. And hopefully I'll meet some cool people at South by Southwest. I'm definitely with someone cool right now. You've heard her before. She's been on the show. She's a regular on So Money. We'd like to keep it that way. Brittany, welcome back. Brittany Castro, everyone. Thanks, Farnoosh. So happy to be here. I honestly, it's it's such a highlight in my days to talk oh, to you and be well, on your thank podcast. You. <laughs> and I, what a cool I, show very, you have coming out. You've been very patient with me, uh, Brittany, just a little to give you a little behind the scenes here. We were supposed to talk a half hour ago, but I had a cable guy visit and, you know, those things are like, okay, we'll be there between nine and two. And of course they called and said they were on their way as Brittany and I were about to speak. So she was very generous with her time and waited patiently. So thanks for that, Brittany. Appreciate it. Oh, of course. Of course. I know how it goes. So how you doing? I've been telling everybody about the fact that you took the entire month of December off, came back in 2016, business is booming, which I think is an uh, such a great 
I guess lesson for everyone that you can take time off people and you can still, you know, reclaim your energy and maybe even have more success soon after. So how's it been so far? How the, how's the momentum going? Momentum's great. I mean, we're in a new month, but like last month was incredibly uh, busy and successful for my business, which is, it's been good. And, you know, it is possible. And for niche, one of the things that I always talk about with, especially the clients I work with and kind of in my financially wise women messaging in general is that really figure out like what kind of life you want and then use your money to support that. And I just think like, because I'm so super clear about it, um, you know, I, I took that month off. I came back, you know, business picked up right away and like, you know, it's been growing, which is great. Um, but I'm still very clear about how I work. Like I, I obviously work hard and, you know, we all do. Um, but I, I also like every year try to work smarter, you know, because I'm just one of those people that I enjoy my life outside of work tremendously. And I don't ever want to just be this entrepreneur and business owner who's working 24 seven, you know, making a lot of money and very successful, but like forgetting everything else that's important to me. And um, so it, it's been great to see that it does work this way. February was extremely busy and successful, but I didn't lose myself in it either. Like I still had a very um, active social life and, um, you know, personal life, even though my business was taking off. And I think that's incredibly important because like I said, this is just kind of what I teach and, and it, it is possible. Well, and everyone, if you haven't been listening to the show, Brittany is the founder of Financially Wise Women. I love your model. It's kind of a hybrid, right? Where you have the one-on-one with your clients, but then the the investment portfolio aspect is automated, which is the best of both worlds because people come to me and they're like, do I, do I sign on with a full-fledged financial advisor who's going to pay charge me like one, one and a half percent? Do I go with something like you know, an auto advisor, a robo advisor. And I'm like, you know, they both have their benefits, pros, cons. But if you're stuck in the middle, which a lot of us are, maybe you want the best of both worlds, which is someone who can walk you through the hard questions and, and share in your exploration of your goals. But to be honest, if all you want to do is kind of ride the coast, you know, the market for the next 35 years or so, whatever it is, you're better off having an automated platform, which you help also your clients with. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's just me keeping up with the times of where we're at in the economy, the clients that I work with, what they're looking for, and, you know, the solutions that are coming to the table in our financial industry. And so I really, you know, do my best to keep my business flowing in that direction where we're constantly innovated, find innovating, finding solutions that are right. And I'm not afraid to change things up either. I think a lot of uh, financial professionals stay pretty stagnant in their model. And I'm just like the entrepreneur minded where I'm like, look, I'm going to do this model. It, It works great for my clients now, but I'm not close to things that can come in in the future that might be even better. And I think that's part of why the company is successful and clients who kind of fit that vibe like it because I'm I'm not I'm not the same and I'm the first one to you know admit like hey I actually didn't think I was ever going to manage money again but a solution came to the table that was perfect for what my clients needed and I couldn't deny the fact that 
it just made sense. So then what did I do? <laughs> you know, I changed my model around to offer this new service and it's been great. So it's, it's nice to roll that way. It's not always easy, but uh, you know, I always just clearly communicate it with my clients and I think they're just kind of those creative entrepreneur minded people in general where they like that. They like that. I stay, um, kind of innovative with what I'm offering and nimble, you know, I think yes. that's really important and, and something that I've learned in following some amazing entrepreneurs over the last three months mm-hmm. that you mirror a lot of their, their talents and their qualities, Brittany, Maybe I'll hey, hey, follow you thank next you. season. <laughs> <laughs> I have to follow you. See, like, when are we going to see the story behind you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know uh, how you can interview yourself, though, for the show. But I have done cool. that. I mean, I have had others interview me for this podcast. Yeah. If you haven't checked those episodes out, uh, email oh, me and I'll send you the, the quick okay. links. Uh, well, see, we, speaking of solutions, as you are solutions driven, let's talk about helping some of our listeners out with the solution. So I have a question here from Alexandra. She's a mom of two. She's two toddlers. And each of the toddlers has his and her or his and his or her and her own 529 plan. Um, One of the plans she says is with Fidelity and the other one is with New York Advisor 529 plan. She asks, should I have both plans with the same plan provider? And if so, are there any benefits? And she says, I appreciate you and your podcast. Well, Alexandra, thank you. I really appreciate you and your question and your listenership. What do you think, Brittany? Is this um, any negative aspects to having a separate 529 for each kid? But more than that, it's that they're, they're managed by different institutions. Right. Yeah. I mean, it really comes down to looking at the, um, I would say the cost of each 529 plan. Like, so for example, you know, she can easily compare Fidelity to the New York Advisor 529 plan and see which one um, offers maybe lower cost mutual funds and fees and make her decision based off of that. Um, Another thing to look at, um, I'm, I'm not sure where she lives. I'm assuming in New York because she has a New York advisor 529. She doesn't have to live in New York, but yeah, maybe. Yeah. So for example, though, account owners who are New York state taxpayers can actually deduct some of the contributions into their Mm -hmm. 529 plan. So that might, you know, be a good reason to keep that one that she has. Um, that's specifically New York. So, you know, those are things to look at because every state's different. But other than that, I would say if those, you know, depending on what she finds out in it, you know, if nothing's better or worse, then you might just keep them both under one roof just to make it easier for you. And is it possible that with Fidelity that she actually has a New York plan, but it's branded as Fidelity? I'm not, that's where I got confused. Yeah. Well, it, it really depends on what she has um, because each 529 plan is a little bit different. So there's like a California specific fidelity one called scholar share 529. So she kind of like was a little broad with what she wrote and I'm not sure if that is, um, you know, New York specific, but those are some details to look at and then she can figure out from there, you know, if there's any benefit of keeping one, you know, plan at this company versus the other. And are there costs to rolling over one 529? Can you do that? You can do the rollovers from 529 if it's the same beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there usually isn't cost except for like closing the account. Like sometimes there's a, you know, the cost of closing the account on the whatever, you know, firm you're leaving. 
So it, and and you would be possibly selling out of the mutual funds that you're invested in, which right. means you know if you sell out and have that money rolled over and reinvested, of course, into whatever new plan, you just kind of have to be aware of that. Like, are you selling at a loss? Are you selling at a gain? There's no taxes for, you know, that part of it, but you maybe don't want to sell when the market's down. Mm, Right, right. Alexandra, all good reasons to speak with a financial advisor on this one. (laughs) Yeah, so many details. So many details. And we only know so much about your situation, but I think it does seem like you have uh, a few things to figure out first before knowing with certainty what is the best plan of action. One being obviously to figure out what are the fees associated with both plans and do kind of try to do an apples to apples comparison there. And then beyond that, you know, performance is important. You know, historical performance might matter here. And I know that with the New York plans, they have a pretty strong historical record. And if you do live in New York and your fidelity plan is not necessarily a New York plan, um, you might want to consider rolling over just for the mere chance, just for the the plain opportunity to get that tax benefit as a New York resident, um, because that could end up saving you a lot of money in the long run, even if there are some rollover costs. So good luck and let us know how things pan out. Okay. We're going to move on here to Dennis. And he says, I have a TSP retirement account which is a federal employee plan that he used that, that I use as my rollover account since it is low cost. I recently left a job that has a high cost retirement plan, so high fees. I plan to roll over the funds soon after leaving, but the recent downturn in the market has presented a question to me, which is, do I keep the funds in the high cost account to ride out the downturn? Or do I lock in my losses with the high cost plan to roll over into my TSP account and get all of my retirement money in one location? So I think what he's weighing here is, is it better to wait it out or is it better to make a move now? And the benefit there is that you get to benefit sooner from consolidation and having everything under one roof and also from um, a lower fee plan. Right. Right. Oh, man, I wish I had the crystal ball to answer this question, Um, because really what it comes down to is the timing of the market. And does he think, you know, waiting out, you know, how long will that be? You know, are we losing money on the fees just by waiting to figure out when the time is right? And I just don't play that game. I'm like, I don't know what the markets are going to do, no one knows in any given day or month or year. I mean, we all have our predictions and that's, you know, based on whatever we think are facts and trends. But the reality is this is kind of like one of those things, Dennis, where you might not like the answer, but it's like you just decide. And once you make the decision, just don't look back. Do you know what I mean? Like either you're going to decide to wait it out for three months or six months until you think the market might rebound and then make the transfer, or you just do it now, regardless of what the market's doing, and then go into the plan with the lower cost and and just feel good about that. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, this is kind of like that art part of financial planning where there's no specific science answer. Um, But it really comes down to what you feel most comfortable with. And when I like I said, I just don't play the timing of the market game. Yeah. So maybe Dennis, I mean, if you're not, if you agree with, with Brittany and you're also of the same school of thought that, you know, there's no point in trying to predict the market moves. Um, 
maybe it's that you do the rollover and you have the money in your TSP since that's where you're going to have the most savings. And I like the idea of consolidation. So for what, for what it's worth, I think that might be something worth some more exploration. All right. This is a question from Nicole and it's a little detailed. So I'm going to try to go walk us through this a little slowly. It's also for listeners because I know that um, sometimes these questions throw out a lot of numbers. And so my advice to others who want to write in questions, not that I don't want to hear from you, but please try to keep it as, you know, um, as short as possible without obviously, you know, give us some details, but don't, you know, we don't need like, all the cash you have in your bank account to the penny, you know, you can, <laughs> you can round it up um, just because then it becomes a little tough to remember what, you know, the question was even all about by the time you're done. But uh, we're going to get through this one. We're going to help you, Nicole. She says, so money has got me talking, taking, sorry, so much action in this area of my life. Great. I'm so happy, Nicole. Thank you for listening. She says she's 36. I am too. Married with a two-year-old. Hey, are you, I am, my son's almost two. So like, okay, I'm really feeling this question because I'm, I'm pretty much where you're at. She says, I have a TIAA CREF account. Uh, it's a 403B with $1,200. And she has a Fidelity 401k with a little over 10,000. So TIAA CREF 403B. So 403B with 1200 bucks and then a Fidelity 401k with around $10,000, $11,000. She says, my husband has a Roth IRA with E-Trade for a thousand, worth a thousand. Unfortunately, she says this was not a priority when we were in our twenties and early thirties. We work for ourselves and have been saving cash for emergency funds and paying down debt. I'm clear I need uh, to use a robo advisor and I'm going to probably move my money over to one. But my questions are one, should I roll over both of my retirement accounts? And two, what do you advise married couples regarding investment accounts, joint or separate? So the first question, should I roll over both of my retirement accounts? I mean, I would say, sure. And you're so early on in the retirement saving stage. You don't have that much money right now in the grand scheme of what I hope you'll ultimately accumulate. So maybe making the rollover now, consolidating now, even if it means losing a couple of dollars over, you know, uh, because of the rollover, maybe that's worth it in the long run. What do you think about that, Brittany? I definitely agree. I think keep it easy, you know, keep it easy, consolidate, get them both under one roof into a clear portfolio strategy that's in alignment with your retirement. Um, And, and, you know, then that would be, you know, great. And then you could think about adding even more money depending on what you roll it into in the future. You know, because she said she was self-employed, she could just open up a traditional IRA, roll those two accounts into it, and then she can still continue to put in new money into Mm -hmm. the traditional IRA moving forward. Yeah. And then you're going to just see it accumulate and you'll get excited by the physical growth. And I think all in one place, you'll be more excited to keep contributing. Um, Mm -hmm. And then her second question is, you know, we're married. So should we have one retirement account, joint or separate? And I kind of like Mm -hmm. the idea of separate. Cause I'm just, that's my personality. What do you think? Is that, is that, uh, is there any benefit to keeping it joint or separate? 
Um, no. And so my, my personalities do it joint, you know, but that's just me. So, uh, I think if you're married and you have an investment account, that's for a specific goal that you both are working toward together. Like that's also what you wanted to find. What is this money for? Yeah. Um, cause if it's like, you know, just extra money that you both are saving for retirement, then I would say a joint makes sense. But if like, for example, she wants some money for the short term and then her husband wants some money like more for long term, then they might keep it separate and have separate um, investment strategies within the actual accounts. So I think it's just more or less like, what is this money for? And then from there, you could figure out what makes most sense for them, you know, single or joint. And just to clarify, I'm not an, an ice queen who just doesn't want to commingle accounts with her husband. I actually do have a joint retirement account with Tim, but it's just that before we got married, we had our separate retirement accounts that we just maintained separate because it was, you know, he has a 401k at work. I had a SEP IRA. It just commingling them like wasn't going to happen. Um, but we do have a joint account as well that we started. Uh, you know, after we got married. So I just like the three buckets, yours, mine, and ours. And it was really more for the ease of it because, uh, and the logistics, I don't think we could even, tr- even if we wanted to, I couldn't like take my SEP IRA and, or take his 401k and, and you know, it's like private loans and federal loans. Like <laughs> you can't, you can't merge them. So, um, I, I think that if you have a, a history with money where you have, before you were married, there's like the before you were married and the after you were married. Maybe you can keep things for status quo the way that they were before the marriage. Like if you had your own IRA or Roth IRA, and then once you're married, maybe you start a joint account um, that's that that starts you know day one after you get married. But that's again kind of just more about how you want things to be arranged. There's really no uh, loss or win financially. Um, based on how you devise it. It's just kind of how your comfort level is. Okie doke. Thanks, Nicole, for your question. And Bianca is next. She says, Farnoosh, love the show. I'm 37, single with no kids. I save at a high rate, but I feel like I've stalled a bit and I'm not sure what to do next. Like last year, I will max out my 401k and I have a 9.6% company match. That's pretty high. That's awesome. And a profit sharing account, all totaling to $130,000. I invest in my company's ESPP plan uh, with a 10% discount. ESPP, that's profit sharing? Yes, employee stock. Employee stock, yeah. Yeah. She says, I'm new to an HSA, a health savings account, but will fully fund it and be able to invest it once it hits $2,100. My condo and car are paid off. I have no debt. Wow. She's got a lot going on. In November, I opened a Vanguard account and I have bought a few stocks as well. My savings account offers a 4%, wait, 4% annual percentage. Where is she saving? (laughs) Up to $50,000. Where are you saving? You left, you buried the lead, Bianca. Like, please, (laughs) I I beg you right back and tell me where is the savings account? Because I want in. Thank you. <laughs> she says, all this being said, I find myself asking, what would Farnoosh do next? Oh my gosh. Wow. Thanks in advance. XOB, Bianca. Oh my gosh. I don't think there's le- anything left to do except just to keep the wheels turning. Wow. She sounds very financially wise for sure. Great work, I mean, Bianca. It sounds like she's got a lot going on in the markets. Um, 
And if she's got some, it's if, if you're asking him this question because you have some extra money to play with and invest and be aggressive with, um, you know, maybe you look outside investments at this point. I feel like you've got a lot of your, uh, a lot of your foundation here as far as, you know, retirement and you have no debt, you've got good savings, you've got um, even a brokerage account at this point. So perhaps if you're more curious about growing your money uh, more aggressively and assuming the risk, maybe you look at alternative investments and I'm not going to tell you what's better or not, but like, you know, you could look at rental properties, you could look at art, you could look at um, what else, what else can we do? Wine. (laughs) (laughs) Wine. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, at this point, unless like you really want to be able to retire earlier, then you might just like add more money into the investment account to like build up your nest egg even sooner. But at this point, yeah, outside alternative investments could just be like a fun thing. It sounds like she's very savvy already. So maybe this would just take, you know, take her financial situation to the next level with the complexity involved with those. Um, uh, there's passive ways to invest in real estate. You know, there's, she could look at REITs or, you know, there's all kinds of alternative investments available to her. Um, I think it's just a matter of finding like the financial professional to maybe like break them down. And, and then of course, with any investment, just be clear about the tax situation mm, of it. Yeah. Well, and you asked this question at a, at a good time, you know, this whole week we've been running episodes of Millionaires Next Door. And I think you're on your way, Bianca. And if that's something that you aspire to and and with the hopes that maybe like Brittany just said, you could retire soon or at least, you know, slow down work and instead do other things that you enjoy, whether it's travel or starting a business. I think that's another thing you can look forward to given that you've done so well already. And if you just keep up this momentum, I think you can get there as well. So... The bottom line is you've earned yourself a lot of freedom here. And, you know, it's not Brittany's or I or my, you know, uh, decision here to tell you what to do. But we, we will, I think we're both on, on the same page here that you uh, have a lot of great options ahead. And it's really just a matter of now doing what feels right to you. And thanks for your question. I'm glad the show's helping you out. And 37 single, no kids. Wow. <gasps> ah, a girl can dream. <laughs> And you got to tell us where that savings account is, giving 4%. I know. Like, oh, really. A hidden gem. Farnoosh at so com. <laughs> Email me, and I will sing that from the rooftops. That's amazing. I hope. What's the catch? I know. That's why I want to I know. <laughs> Please, so I, I hope you read the fine print there. Yeah. We, we only need your firstborn child once you've uh, <laughs> accumulated 4%. Okay, last question here, and we are peace out. Okay, Jocelyn says, Hey, Farnish, I'm a new listener, but already a huge fan of your show. I'm 26, newly married. I, I'm a nonprofit professional. Since I was 22, I've been funding a retirement and working with a financial advisor. Wow, awesome. I'm truly, I'm trying, sorry, to stay faithful during this downturn. I, I wasn't sure where that was going. I was like, stay faithful in your <laughs> marriage? Okay. Okay. That wasn't funny. I'm trying to stay faithful during this downturn, but feel myself losing steam. Currently, my spouse and I are both funding 401ks at 12%. All right. And investing 7% of our income in a fidelity growth fund that's doing the opposite of growing. (laughs) 
Our household income is about $100,000 before taxes, and we're looking to boost our savings for retirement since we already own a home and we have no debt. But the market is scary right now. We're also saving about 15% of our income for travel and home updates in money market savings accounts. Um, What do you recommend to a young couple wanting to expand or update their strategy at a time like this? Well, I'm just going to say one thing quickly and I'll let you take it from here, Brittany, but I just feel like you're 26. You shouldn't even be worried about what's happening in the market. No, not at all. This is a perfect time to buy more if they have more money to put in. I mean, you always have to think when the markets are down and your goals long term, which in this case it is for retirement, technically speaking, you're buying things when it's on sale, you know, so if you can double down during this time period, that's that's optimal. I mean, that's the Warren Buffett strategy. Be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. So uh, if they have more, I mean, it sounds like they're saving a lot already, like 15, 12 and seven. That's like 35% of their income. That's impressive. But if they, if you still have more, by all means, go for it. Um, Yeah. And and I'd be curious to see if they rebalance their part. Like the only thing you might want to do because you've, if you haven't already, and sometimes your plans will do this automatically is to rebalance your portfolio, auto, you know, auto rebalance it maybe just to see if you have lost a lot in the stock department that maybe like Brittany said, you need to increase your allocation there, which may sound counterintuitive because the market's so unpredictable and crazy, but you're buying at what will be historically probably a very low price. Um, And you want to increase your position in stocks while you can, while you can afford it. It's, you know, may require some uh, grabbing onto your stomach a little bit and maybe closing your eyes, but it, but when you, you know, awaken to the fact that, you know, a year later, two years later, the market's in a better place, hopefully you'll be glad you did. So it wouldn't say like change course, but just see where your portfolio is breaking down. If you are low on stocks right now because of the sell-off recently, then maybe it's a sign that you want to just, you know, get back to get back to quote unquote normal, whatever normal is for you. Maybe it's like 80% stocks, 20% other and just make sure that you're still hitting that target because that's really important for you at this age, especially you want to take advantage of your youth. Compound interest really works when you start young. And um, that's the only thing that I would, that I would say as far as reexamining your strategy, Would, would you have anything to add to that, Brittany? Yeah, I, I think that that's good because he put here that, um, they just have a fidelity growth fund, which leads me to believe that maybe they're not diversified uh-huh. um, if all of their money's in just the growth fund. Or maybe they are. But what you're saying is spot on. Like, make sure you have diversification within the portfolio. You know, you definitely want to have more than just one fund, uh, one sector, and, and that will help even out the ride and not take on additional risk that you might not need to to get the same type of return long-term. Right. So, you know, definitely look at how you're allocated now. And then like, if you want to put in more money, you know, great. Once you know that allocations um, in alignment with the goal, but yeah, exciting. And, you know, if you want to just expand too, I don't know what your thoughts are about um, owning a home. I didn't really see that, but maybe you take additional money and and start saving it for a down payment. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, if that's what Oh, you they already own a home, but maybe they want to buy a second rental property. <laughs> I mean, this is like one of those things where it's like kind of like the Bianca, you're they're 
doing such great things that now they have more freedom to figure out what do we do next? Start a business, invest more, buy another home. You know, it's it's kind of an exciting time. It is. And Jocelyn, thank you for sharing your age and letting us know how young you were when you started funding your retirement account, because that is such evidence of why we keep telling everyone to start young. And you're already experiencing the fruits of your labor. And I know it's been a hard kind of market period most recently, but I mean, that's kind of par for the course and you're doing great and you're such an inspiration. So thank you so much for your question. And sorry for my terrible joke earlier. Um, I hope you and your husband have a very, very uh, fruitful marriage, successful marriage, and that your money um, will continue to grow. And thanks everyone, Jocelyn, Bianca, Nicole, Dennis, Alexandra. I really appreciate you guys uh, you know, sharing uh, your deepest money questions with me and hopefully encourages others to follow suit. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us again. I love having you on. Tell us where we can just get more of you. Thanks, Farnoosh. I love being here. Financiallywisewomen.com. Come on over and then you could follow me on Twitter at Brittany Castro. Check out all the latest that I'm up to. But if you haven't already, come over to Financially Wise Women and sign up for my free Financially Wise Toolkit because it's jam-packed with more um, tips, very similar to what we go over, but like based on what life stage you're in and just different activities you can do to really be clear about what you want for yourself financially and then how to leverage your money moving forward to reach those goals. So it is a cool kit if you ask me. And, um, you know, I also do some weekly videos, so you'll get those as well. You also, um, are quite a rapper. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Are you doing a rap for me? I can rap for sure. Um, okay. Do you want a women focused rap or just a general focus? Just a general. Rap? Okay. General. Cause you're, yeah, take you're, it away. Your, your crew. You want money. You got to work. There's no handouts, honey. And that's for sure. Want to shop that mall? Want to drive that car? Be chilling up in a mansion like a baller? You got to work. <laughs> Whoa. Woo-hoo, that was amazing. So um, when is the album going to drop? It goes on and on, but I'll, I'll save your audience from pure embarrassment. Wait a minute. Um, this is awesome. Album, Where can I hear Hey, more? we've been working on an album for a while, but, you know, I have, like, rap. I love it. It's based on the topic. And, Do you know uh, that I spent a couple days with Young Thug? Do you know who oh Young Thug is? Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, he's like a he is um Kanye West's protege. I think I can say that. They're they're buds and um they collaborate a lot and I um got the chance to follow his record executive Lior Cohen on CNBC, which you'll see in a couple well, I guess in a few weeks and it's episode 2. And so um through that experience I got to meet a few cool artists including Young Thug. Oh my God. That was my world for like 72 hours straight, you know, meeting um, the world of hip hop. So cool. But um, Brittany, Nick. you have a real talent there. And so let, <laughs> let us let us know when um, the album I might drops. Need to get, yeah, I might need to get connected to him. So I'll reach out when that time's right. You know, you know? I, I, I think I, I know people who know people who could help you. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, I'm sure I'll do really well in the rapper's world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep that chin up. Uh, You never know. All right. Thanks, Brunish. Thanks, Brittany. Have a great weekend. 